So it's nice to be back again with you. Sometimes said before, it's a little strange sometimes with these month retreats coming in just once a week and the retreat is going on and I feel something of a visitor to uh, to your home rather than perhaps feeling with group retreats it's more that everyone else is coming to visit mine. But uh, it's good to be back. And in the the last few days, some occurrences in my own life have sort of given rise to the theme for the talk, and kind of interestingly, in the, the context of um, our practice here, that the uh, focus for myself and my wife at the last little while of our time has been looking for a, a place to live, and that we had to live, had to leave where we are, and we'd actually lined up a, a house to move into. We were in fact to be moving yesterday. And you're already perhaps guessing the, the tenor of this. Um, situation from that um, and that a few days before we were due to be moving in we had a letter from the uh, the real estate agent handling the, the the deal and it was all ready to go basically um, and uh, he'd been taken seriously ill in, in hospital for the foreseeable future and uh, so it wasn't actually from him but probably his wife and just a one-man business so uh, first of all our, our concerns and our thoughts for Alan, the, the real estate agent, we don't know exactly what hit him, but obviously his world has just been instantly changed into something quite different. And for us what it meant was that the, um, that the deal was given to the owner of the property to complete with us, and after two or three days of um, speaking with the owners of the property, they um, rang us yesterday morning to say they decided they don't want to do it. And so we are in the situation of having committed to leave yesterday, uh, having nowhere to go. And so this gave some cause for reflection on the, uh, the theme of, first of all, I guess one could say impermanence and unreliability of things. And it's kind of interesting how much effort and time one puts into bringing things together, having, a, in fact, we were sharing with another couple and getting this house, which was to be very close to here, within walking distance. Um, and all the negotiations, all the planning and the arrangements and especially arranging to not come in here on Friday as we'd first planned so I could move in on Friday and coming today instead, that was yesterday and all the different things that came together to make it happen and how dependent all of that was on just this person's continued state of health the, the agent who was organising it all and of course the situation that we're in being perhaps much preferable to the one that he is in Although our housing situation is in the air, um, his perhaps whole existence is hanging rather precariously. Certainly he's very ill, though we don't know what with. But the second theme, and the theme I'd like to speak a little more of, since you've heard plenty from probably all of us on the theme of impermanence and unreliability of things, is a, a particular theme that relates to it, and it's the theme of the homeless life. And in the, the Buddhist tradition, if one reads it, one sees a great degree of praise and in fact significance given to what was called the homeless life. And the, the phrase occurs often in terms of people's movement and commitment to um, follow the teachings of the Buddha, where they are said to go forth from the home life into homelessness. And this is um, used to describe the, the process of actually becoming a nun or a monk, that the homeless life was in a way the, 
the concept that this most closely related to what it meant to become a um, ordained person in the practice of the Buddha's teachings. And that the phrase that occurs, at least in some of the older translations, the most recent translation I've read does it speaks differently about this, but there's a lovely phrase where the um, people having been exposed to meditation teachings, to Dharma teachings, say the, the phrase is that rather a formula that's used is that it's, it's difficult in the, home, in the home life to make the mind as bright as a polished shell and therefore I shall go forth into homelessness and put on the yellow robes and take the bowl of the mendicant and live without a home. And it's interesting if we perhaps look at our situation and looking at the worldly circumstance, perhaps our, our home life, our, our job, our family and all of that, how involved and engaged we are with it and how much of our time and our energy and our inner resources are consumed by taking care of all of that. And when we, when we come on retreat, when we come on retreat, we, we somewhat, we, we make ourselves homeless in a more temporary fashion, one could say, in that we, we leave the home that we're familiar with, we leave the circumstances that we know, we enter into that which is less known, less familiar. And one of the features of that is that we have less burdens of duty, we have less responsibilities or things that we need to do or to produce or to create in the way of results. And this, this feature of the homeless life is one of its greatest gifts to us and whether it be the, the lifetime commitment to homelessness of the nun or the monk or the, the commitment we make to a form of homelessness and coming on retreat <coughs> that we create space. We create space for ourselves to focus on what is more important to us than perhaps the day in and day out ongoing cycle of duties, responsibilities and things we need to do. And it's interesting to look and reflect in our practice as we, we sit and walk and observe what is going on within us and around us here in retreat, that there's a way in which we, we start to relate perhaps to different parts of what's going on for us in a similar way as we might relate to those things of our home life and how we start perhaps seeking to make a home in a particular experience or a particular thing that's going on for us that we maybe think is what should be happening or that we perhaps enjoy or appreciate particularly. And it's very interesting to see, to notice in our minds how we can become rather caught up at times with again trying to protect a certain thing or achieve a certain thing and in the world we might be trying to, to get a house, to get a place to live or to keep the one that we have or to get a job. Those aspects of the, the home life, one could say, in the world that demands so much time and energy and certainly looking for a, a house in a physical sense is a very time-consuming thing as I'm sure you all know. And yet sometimes we find our inner life consumed with trying to either find or keep some particular experience or some particular place that we've arrived at or we think we've arrived at or that we've tasted or touched or perhaps that we haven't tasted but we've heard about and that we feel we somehow need to achieve or gain this experience or arrive in this place and we can see how our, our mind starts thinking about these things, how I can get this experience, 
how I can avoid that experience. In a similar way, we start relating to our inner world as though we are the home keeper, as though we were the home owner in that experience. And that we find ourselves dwelling upon what is occurring for us, thinking about it. And often the thinking tends to go down a couple of particular roads, and the roads are, how did this come to be? What was it that happened? What did I do? What did someone else do? What happened in the world to create the circumstance? And then the thinking often um, goes from going into the past looking for causes into the future thinking what do I have to do and in the case of something we enjoy, we appreciate or we value, what do I have to do in order to keep this, in order to sustain this, in order to repeat this experience? Or in the case of that which we found difficult or which we found or in some way believed was not appropriate or not acceptable for expe- to experience, the thought is, what do I have to do in order to change this, in order to get rid of this? We find ourselves dwelling upon situations in the past, in the future. And there's a way in which we sometimes perhaps feel that that, that process of dwelling, that process of entangling ourselves with the content of our inner life, is not that different from the way we become entangled and ensnared with the activities in the more, one could say, solid or gross or external forms of the outer world, houses and jobs and relationships and all the things we can find consuming our energy in daily life. And so watching how this tendency might reveal itself in our practice, in our being here. And that it's been said by one of my teachers and others perhaps also that non-dwelling is the greatest art of the spiritual life to learn to explore what it means to not dwell anywhere, to not make our home in any experience, in any place or location or external thing in any way. And that there's a way in which the sense of taking on the homeless life, the spirit of what that entails, is really the taking on the commitment to spiritual practice. And the quality of homelessness in our life, in our, in our practice and in our being is not about whether or not we have a home or a physical place to reside. Because of course, for some of us we will and some of us we won't and it's quite appropriate that we do have one if we do and hopefully it's quite appropriate that we don't have one if we don't. And yet our relationship to what's going on is perhaps more important and perhaps more where we actually come to understand what it means to be homeless, to not make our home, to not seek to dwell in anything. In the, in the tradition, as I said already, the, the homeless life was actually what defines the sense of being committed full-time to practicing the Dharma and to being a nun or being a monk. And that in the beginning, the, there were no monasteries, there were no nunneries, there were no places where the followers of the Buddha would live in the way they do perhaps more now, but that they would actually be a wandering, nomadic people, wandering from place to place, seeking food and shelter where they could find it, offering teachings and committing their time to practice. And that it really um, took quite a long time before the idea of 
spending three months in one place arose. Three months where they would spend an intensive practice in just one location, and now in the tradition known as the rains retreat, as it was done in the rainy season. And that, that at that point then the monks and nuns would have a home, so to speak, for three months of the year. And the rest of the time they would be wandering. They would be walking amongst the villages and the in the in the forests. And then much, much later on the monasteries came, where people would actually come and live and be focused on that more home life, one could say. And it's interesting talking with um, some of the incumbents, the residents of the monasteries, how much work and time they find they have to put into the running of their monastery, the organising and the building. And in a way, all those duties and all those um, entanglements that can arise out of that external creating of a home. And of course it's comfortable and it's easeful and it's very pleasurable in many ways also. And it, it makes one, you know, there's the confidence that one will not be cold or wet at the end of the day because there is a home there. And yet there's also something lost in that. And some of the, as I said, some of the ordained Sangha friends I've spoken with have also perhaps felt that loss, felt that loss of the, the wandering spirit, that spirit of just being on the road, of not taking a place to call our own. And I know for myself in my um, early years of practice and even before I was engaged in a formal practice and wouldn't have even thought that what I was doing could be called a spiritual life, although I would look at it now and see clearly that was what was going on in terms of a journey and exploration, that one of the things I explored for a period of time was just to just keep moving, just to never stay more than one or two days, two days in one place without a plan or an agenda, but just moving on, staying, deciding in the morning, shall I stay, shall I go? And I, I travelled like this through um, New Zealand and Australia and Asia for a couple of years and occasionally spending longer in one place, but it's very interesting to notice what, what the effect in one's heart and one's being is of just keeping moving on. Over time one actually finds a sense of space and a sense of freedom in not making one's home in any particular location and not binding oneself to any particular friend or any particular circumstance externally. And in a way we make that same journey in our meditation. We make that same journey where we learn what it means to allow ourselves to move on, to not actually become stuck with any particular experience, no matter how exalted and beautiful or painful and difficult the experience might be. To actually just allow ourselves to meet each moment as an offering without fixing or seeking to solidify anything in that experience or in that moment. Just trusting that spirit of life in which we are moving and in which perhaps we sense how life is moving. And that often what we notice, what we experience is that the wish to dwell the wish to have a home, again using the outer metaphor, is often driven by fear. The fear of what it will be to not have a place to live. To not have a home. And if any of you were to receive perhaps an emergency telegram today, as might be coming, and I'm not wishing to make you worried at all, because probably it's not going to happen, and I certainly hope it does not, but we could receive a telegram to say that what we called our home is no longer there due to fire, due to accident, due to many causes. It might just not be there. Fires burn down houses every day of the week and someone's home is gone. And we might look and think, 
what they might bring and, and the fear that might arise. Perhaps it might be excitement at the possibility of something new, that there's both a death and a birth in that process, if we understand it. Both the loss of the old and the opportunity for the new. And you're just seeing how often we relate to a sense of home with a sense of yearning and a sense of fear of not having it. And the same yearning and the same fear can often be driving us in our practice again. That we see how we're, we're sort of leaning forward, looking towards a particular, whatever it might be, whether it be a sitting in which our body doesn't cause us any discomfort, or in which our mind is still and clear, or in which we have some wonderful, enlightening insight that really makes a difference to our life. Whatever it might be that we feel ourselves leaning forward, looking for in some way, often there's a sense of, of fear that's behind it, that's driving us to seek something to take hold of, to seek somewhere to make our home. And that, that very process needs to be examined very carefully to see, are we willing to rest without having a sense of what our home is, without feeling that we must always step from one steady place to another, that sometimes we're asked in the spirit of homelessness to actually let go of where we have made our home before, to let go of that which we've been sure of. Perhaps it might be that we're just working with our breath and we've never really allowed our attention to open up to explore the whole wide range and realm of body and mind and sight and sound and smell and taste. And that maybe it would just be just opening into new realms, leaving what is too familiar. We might have a sense of exploration and it might be slightly unsettling, it might be quite threatening. And yet in our practice to see how easily we start to make ourselves comfortable and being on a retreat and now for most of you having been here a couple of weeks, for some of you quite a bit longer, perhaps some of you just arrived that there's a sense easily of getting into habits, starting to form patterns. We know how we're going to do this. We know where we sit in the dining room. We know that we practice until 10.30 and that's enough. Or we know that 45 minutes is long enough to sit and we don't really need to try and sit any longer. Or that we're sure that one sort of reasonably, moderately full plate of food is the right amount for us. And, and we start to get a little comfortable. We start to often find that, the, that some of the difficulties we might have encountered in the initial periods of retreat, some of the struggle to accommodate, some of that is to do with resistance to change and the fact that we're in a process of movement and transition. Some of it is also that we haven't yet become familiar or comfortable with what's going on. And as we do become comfortable, we can start to sort of find a, a little bit of the, the edge, the fire perhaps, has been lost from our practice. And that there's a way we can, if we start to see where we are in, as I say, making a home, starting to make ourselves a little comfortable, starting to sort of extend our comfort zone a little bit. Oh, it's, it's just nice to have that cup of tea every morning after the, after the sitting and just, you know, just relax with that. And of course, it's fine. And yet we might just say, well, what would it be if I didn't? What would it be just to go from the sitting to the walking and have a rather unbroken transition through the morning? We might think, oh no, I can't do without my cup of tea. I might fall asleep. And you might. What harm would that do? One could observe the process. And, uh, and we might think, oh, but I need 
eight hours of sleep every night. Otherwise, the next day we'll just be miserable. But maybe just to see what it is to explore, to go beyond our boundaries, to not... The sense of creating a home for ourselves, it has a sense of safety and security to it. But it can also have a suffocation and a, an element of, of loss of possibility. Loss of possibility. And that actually learning what it means to be at home is quite different from creating a home or creating a structure which is perhaps more likened to a house. And maybe we can relate to the difference between a house and a home. And a house is sort of a thing. It's a substantial you know, building. It's got bricks and concrete and timber and windows and doors and it's solid and it's fixed. And yet that's not a home. And equally, any experience or any structure or form that we take hold of will perhaps form a house and we might shelter in it for some time, but it, it won't in itself ever be that home that we might be looking for. And that there's a spirit of our practice which we learn to be at home in, and it's very much an inner quality of how we meet what is occurring in a spirit of not looking in that experience for somewhere to make our home. And equally not seeing in any experience that it is a threat to our capacity to be at home. And often we feel, I can't be at home in this moment because something's going on that's too painful or too challenging in some way. Or it's just not acceptable, it shouldn't be. And the judgments come in and we feel, no, I can't be at home here until this is changed or fixed. And again, we're making that sense of being at home dependent upon the external upon the outer circumstance. And yet a quality of being at home, of finding a sense of home, is very much connected to and related to allowing the flow of life's movement to do as it will, and yet finding within ourselves a place in which we meet it, in which we learn to make our home in that quality, in that capacity of meeting our life meeting each moment of existence. There's a, a quote from the Bible where Jesus speaks of this and excuse my failure to quote it accurately but I'll do my best. Um, I think he once said the rabbit has its lair the fox has its den. But the Son of Man, in referring to himself, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And that, that spirit of having no place to lay one's head, not meaning we you know, burn our pillow, but that we understand that we're not here to stop anywhere. We're not trying to come to a halt or to bring to a halt our experience in some way that we fix it or we make it into something and call that home. That the whole sense of who we are and that so much of what we can find ourselves engaged with is in a way trying to make ourselves into a place we feel comfortable, into a place we feel at home. And yet that very whole sense of self that's so bound up in in trying to get things the way it wants it so it feels comfortable or so that it is something comfortable in itself, that sense of, 
of individuality, of ego, of self, of I, I that wants this, that doesn't want that. There's a way in which that whole sense of I creates or attempts to create a place that feels comfortable, a place it can call home. And yet because of that need that it's driven by, we find that we have to spend so much time attempting to maintain, to continue and to defend that place, whatever it might be, or to attain it if we haven't even found it yet. And that home is actually what we discover when we let go of all of that process. Home is actually what we realize when we give up on trying to make a home. And trying to make anything or any part of ourselves into that which we would feel to be home. And that in giving up in that, in giving up in that movement towards or that seeking of or trying to keep something that we could call home, that the very cessation of that movement reveals to us where our home is. And one might sense sometimes in the silence coming first into it how it's kind of difficult and we sort of struggle with it or we're looking for something from it. And yet over time as it just seeps perhaps and soaks deeper into our bones and into our being, we just feel a sense of easefulness in the silence where we're not sort of preciously defending it. It's not as if every sound has somehow shattered it or intruded into it because of course the sound is easily embraced by the silence. And, and that the silence doesn't ask us to do anything to it or with it or for it, but that we just receive it. It's just there. It's there even in the moments between the words that you're hearing. It's equally actually there in the words that you're hearing, right in this moment, and any other sound equally reveals the silence. And that the sense of settling into silence, of being at home in silence, and the non-engagement of our being, that this, this is where we find a sense of home. There is no place or thing. It's not an idea. It's not an experience or an achievement. Not something we have gained, and therefore nothing that we could ever lose. And there's a, a saying that I think generally used with reference to God or the divine, but could equally be understood with reference to to the, the truth of things. And you may have heard this. Um, okay, something like God, or I could say truth, God whose love and joy are everywhere can only come to visit you when you are not there. And our practice in a way is about learning what it means for there to be nobody home. And that homelessness isn't some horrible sort of penance that we have to pay. It's not some aesthetic ordeal we have to put ourselves through. But it's actually more an embrace of a reality that we discover in being homeless. And that we discover, as a, a friend of mine once said after a, a month's retreat here in June, and I think it was 1991, I remember she said at the end of the retreat how 
She'd always been looking for home, looking for her home, and spiritual practices, teachings in the world, relationships. Now she'd really discovered that it's only home when I'm not there. Rather profound words. What does it mean to discover this home where we are not there? To be homeless in the deepest sense of the world, of the word, is to find our home effortlessly anywhere in the world, anywhere within what is going on within us and around us. And that rather paradoxically and yet at the same time rather obviously to be completely homeless, to make our home in no location at all, is to find our home in any location, in any situation. And our, our practice asks us again and again to explore what this means. To make our home in no experience, in no moment, in no situation, in no past events, in no future possibilities. Not seeking after them. And yet discovering in that what it might mean to be at home nonetheless. At home where there is no one home and yet where there is nothing missing or lost or absent. And we see how when we don't make a home in our life, what that means, as any of you who have travelled for any time will know, is one doesn't need to carry so much baggage with one when you travel for any length of time, as I, I know and others I'm sure, one perhaps starts off with all the things one might possibly need. And sometimes one does actually need them, but over time one realises that the, the weariness and the burden of carrying them all along is not really worth it, and one starts to find that one can get by with much less. One needs to carry much less with one, until one might eventually find oneself carrying an incredibly small amount in comparison to what one first thought one needed. And in the same way, so many of the things we carry with us in our inner journey, our sense of who we are, all the things that we're trying to achieve, all the ways we're trying to improve ourselves or fix ourselves, all these things that we think we need to do, over time as we explore, as we observe, we find that they are really an unnecessary weight that we don't actually need to carry with us. And we start to travel much more lightly, much more easily in our journey. And we don't really need to be quite so preoccupied with all of the, the things that we could be carrying along, or not. And we could perhaps see our life as a, as a journey in which we're not making a home of any of it, that we see ourselves as just passing through, as just flowing along with life. There's a nice story about a, a couple of A couple of devout uh, Jewish practitioners who went to see a famous rabbi in Jerusalem and having uh, followed the detailed instructions to his house, taking many turns and twists to this rather world-renowned and much-loved and respected teacher, they knocked on his door and he came to the door and let them in and they, they came into this rather empty space there. There was nothing in it except uh, a small table at one end with a small chair and there the rabbi came and brought them in and invited them to sit with him on the floor and they were looking around them as he asked what, what, is, what is the purpose of your visit and they said we just came to pay our respect we wish to visit you as an honourable and respected rabbi 
and and but that, that seemed quite upset. He said, "Is everything okay?" And I said, "Rabbi, Rabbi, you are so famous and well respected. We we can't understand. This room is completely empty. Where is your furniture?" And the rabbi looked at them and said, "Where is your furniture?" And they said, "Oh, we haven't got any furniture. We're just visitors here." So am I," said the rabbi. And we might think how our life or our meditation practice would be if we had a sense of just being a visitor here. That we're not making our home. And yet, in being a visitor, we may discover a sense of home that is nothing we have made. Any home that we make will be unmade. That's the nature of it. And yet, what home might we find that is not made by us or by anything. This is the invitation of our practice. And that as we observe the flow of experience, the sights and the sounds, the thoughts, the emotions, the body sensations, the breath that comes, times when we're present, times when we're lost, when things are still and sweet and beautiful, and times when they're crazy and chaotic and we just don't know what's going on. Just seeing that whole flow and resting in the capacity that is there, this rather amazing capacity to observe it, to be aware of it all. Resting in that without making that into anything we claim or own either. Without becoming attached in any way to that rather amazing capacity of awareness which reveals all of this reveals all of this, that none of it is our home and yet equally reveals that in no way are we ever homeless. So could we just sit quietly for a minute or two please? May all beings live with wisdom. May all beings live with compassion. May all beings discover the freedom of homelessness. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.